Hi, I'm Greg Dean and welcome to Explore Life. On the 20th of March 2020, the Australian government closed Australia's borders to the outside world. Applauded, they took steps to protect the livelihood of Australian citizens by ensuring all Australians could access fortnightly JobKeeper payments of $1,500. To compensate Australians to stay at home in lockdown while they considered a plan going forward. 18 months later, while the rest of the world opens back up, Australian borders remain closed for residents to leave. However, Australian borders are open to tourists, celebrities and sports stars with money to spend. Yet the government has forgotten about those Australians with loved ones and families abroad. Those Australians who have well-established, loving relationships with partners abroad are now being denied the right to meet with their partners, obtain visas for their partners, and build a life with their partners. Some have been separated from their partners and family for over two years, unable to obtain exemptions for their partners to travel. This series of podcasts are dedicated to telling the stories of these lost Australians who have no end in sight. Today, we introduce you to Rachel, who has been in a long-term relationship with her partner for over seven years, yet has been unable to see her partner in over two years, denied the opportunity to build their life together. Rachel, thank you for taking the time to share your story. Yes, thanks for having me. Awesome. So um, tell me about your situation. Where did you meet your man and what's your current situation right now? So we met in December of 2014 online. He actually found my Instagram account and we were talking from there. And we've been together since then. So we're coming up on seven years and we are still long distance. Um, Right now, we haven't seen each other for just under two and a half years. And that is just so crazy saying it out loud because I never thought that we would be apart for this long. Um, We were kind of unlucky last year. Um, We hadn't seen each other since February of 2019. And we did have plans to see each other mid 2020 but that's kind of when things started happening with COVID and you know people were starting to rethink trips and something else like other circumstances happened and we had to cancel his flight out to Australia so obviously we haven't seen each other since then so since the beginning of 2019 and being you know, in a situation like this where you don't have kind of an end date or anything to look forward to is very hard, especially since we had, we we both went through something at the beginning of last year and we couldn't be there for each other physically, which is very hard. Um, yeah, and it's just unfortunate, like, you try and do the best that you can and make the most of your situation while we're in the middle of a pandemic but just knowing that the person you love is on the other side of the world and there's nothing that you can do about it to see them or to even start making plans to see them is very frustrating. Where is uh, your partner from? Oh yeah so he lives in the US so he's in Alabama and I'm from Sydney, Australia. So since 2014, 
how yeah. were you seeing each other? What was happening there to build that relationship? We were apart for a while before we met each other in person. So we started talking in 2014 at the end of the year. And then at the end of 2016, I flew to America to meet him for the first time. So we were kind of apart for about two years then. It was kind of different then since we hadn't ever met in person before. That would have been and weird when you first meet for the first time after yeah. chatting for two years. Is the person that I'm chatting to the same person that uh, I'm meeting in real life? And Yeah, it's. I always tell people, they always ask me what was it like meeting him for the first time and I always say it's like when you see a celebrity and you're just like, oh, my God, they're actually a real person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how it felt. What, what was his reaction and then where did you go from there? Um, I remember he picked me up from the airport and he and his sister were kind of like standing back watching me, um, like look for my bags and stuff. And that's what I was afraid of. I'm like, oh, my God, what if I walk past him and I don't see him? <laughs> but he was like watching me from afar. And then they come up. They came up behind me and surprised me, and it was just crazy. And he was saying that he kind of felt the same when he saw me for the first time. Like, wow, she's actually here, and he was very happy. So, yeah. And how long did you stay in the U.S. for that first trip? And then when was the next trip? So the first time I stayed for three weeks over the Christmas holidays, and then... I believe after that he came to Australia for the first time, um, which was mid of 2017. Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mid-2017 he came to Australia for the first time, and that was for six weeks. So that was a really great trip. Um, and then since then, 2018, beginning of the year, I flew over to America for probably four weeks. And then beginning of 2019 I flew back again for yeah around four or five weeks so he's only been here once and I've been there a few times and we haven't seen each other since then. In all how much time do you think you've been together you know physically speaking face to face as opposed to online? I would say about four months in person out of almost seven years. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating? People don't understand this. Yeah. Because I have spoken to, uh, you know, several friends and I've got family members. They say, why don't you find somebody at home where that you will be able to see them as much mm -hmm. as you want? They're local. What's your take on that when you're asked that question? Well, I guess that would be the easy way out, I think. Obviously, there's been times where it's been really hard and people do say that to you. But, you know, when you're in a relationship and you really feel like you found your person, then why would you take the easy way out? And why wouldn't you just give it your all and fight for what you want? You know, like he makes me so happy and like being able to travel is great. Obviously, I want to close the distance as soon as I can. But there's just so many amazing things that came out of this relationship that I wouldn't just give up because, oh, no, it's too hard. Like, I can't see him. There's people in Australia. Like, it's not that simple when you truly love someone. You know, when you found your person, then that's kind of your person, you know? Mm. Yeah, and then COVID's hit. Had you applied for a, a visa for him 
to come to Australia prior to COVID or did you apply during COVID? So we, the only thing we had was he had a trip booked in May of 2020 and um, we had to cancel that. Firstly, it was due to other circumstances, but also because people were saying, oh, you know, like you shouldn't be traveling. There's this new thing called COVID. Um, So that was canceled. It was just a visiting visa. So he was just coming here to visit me. And since then, we haven't actually applied for any other visas, mostly because of the cost of everything. Um, We're still trying to figure out what the best course of action is, whether we want to visit each other again or whether we want to just jump straight into the moving process. And we, I mean, we can touch more on that in another question if you want. But, um, yeah, just, you know, having to quarantine for $3,000 and, you know, paying upwards of $2,000 or probably even more now for a flight. And it's just so much money. And, of course, like, we both agree that this relationship is worth spending the money it can always be made back, but it is just such a huge hit on our savings, especially when, you know, he's been in and out of jobs over COVID and I'm working freelance, so. I see. So you're self-employed and he's, so money goes up and down inherently. It's not a fixed wage every single week. And he is in a situation where jobs come and go in the industry that he's in. Yes, correct. Right. So it's very difficult to save. You still have to pay your bills, uh, rent, uh, mortgage, whatever, you know, those costs may be. And yet the government has made it um, exhaustively expensive to bring people home. So it's almost they may say, yes, sure, you can come here. But unless you're elite and have all this extra money, yeah, you're denied your basic right to see your partner. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of become a trend now. Like if you have money, sure you can come and go whenever you feel like it. But if you are just a normal person trying to figure out life and work a normal job or kind of work towards their dream job like I am then you know if money's tough then it's tough luck Mm. I guess (laughs) celebrities have the money to come in Um, sports stars sports celebrities can uh, come and go yeah and yet you're denied your basic right you know when you've realized that COVID's come in and you've started obviously talking to friends and family about you know you're not being able to see your partner what has been the general consensus uh you know have you had any uh i guess kickback from public sentiment about your situation about public safety and um seeing your partner again um i guess i have i wouldn't say it's specifically for my partner whose name is Kevin by the way um I I would say that I sometimes get it overall so when I'm talking about you know the arrival cuts or something like that people aren't being granted their visas that they should have been granted two years ago whatever like just the whole community in general people are saying well no because we don't want to bring COVID from overseas into Australia like 
we need to keep it like keep the borders secure so no more COVID comes into the country and while I understand that there's so many people who are you know not able to see their loved ones for yeah over one and a half years or even over two years like me um for the most part I've had friends and family be very supportive of me but there's occasionally people I come across that that you know say you know you can find someone in Australia or no we can't let foreigners into the country and it's so frustrating because they don't get it no matter how much I explain it we're very isolationist uh, as a as a country we've willingly shut our borders which I agreed with at the start where I thought great all right let's lock it down we don't know what this situation is and Mm -hmm. I applauded the government for uh, closing the borders keeping people at home, but paying people to stay at home. So there was so many people uh, suddenly out of work, stepped down from their work, casuals, uh, construction industry workers, a whole range of different industries. And because we didn't know what was happening, the government said, we'll pay you $1,500 a fortnight, no problem. But the caveat is you must stay at home. And that's what people did. We thought, we'll stay at home. We got through it. And, uh, you know, I, my partner, she was was stuck in her country and suddenly she was out of work but in her country they don't pay for uh for people to stay at home if you don't have money you're done you know that is it you can have basics but realistically Mm -hmm. you have to rely upon your family so i was um, sending her some money via paypal just to uh you know make sure that she had her rent paid which was not so much uh which was fine um you know all the basics and everything i said we'll take care of this we'll get through this together (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i'd been with my partner same Uh, i've been with uh her for well, I met her in 2014 and we chatted yeah. online and she was quite a conservative person. So I, I was traveling a lot at that time. I enjoyed scuba diving and I was traveling overseas in around uh, December, January 2014, 2015. And I'd invited her along and she said, no, I don't, you know, um, I don't know what you well enough at that point. And mm-hmm. then um, just through social media and sharing and she, you know, she'd built that trust and then she decided to meet me 2015 and we've you know spent um uh, upwards of i think close to nine months um in that total wow. time uh traveling together being together i traveled uh, to her she traveled to my country and i found that i was following all of those steps all of those processes because even just to get somebody a visa to come to Australia on a tourist visa is so difficult. You can fly to Thailand, uh, Indonesia, uh, the US, most parts of Europe uh, and have no problem uh, going there. And it's a simple process when I got a, a business visa for her country for 90 days and they asked why do you want to come here on this visa and I said well I'm looking for products to sell on Amazon and bang snap there you go stamp didn't ask to look at my bank account I just had to you know provide them all of my travel history and that was a small process in of itself get an invitation but then um I was stamped and done and uh, she met me at the airport. But for her to come to Australia, she had to have $5,000 minimum in the bank account, had Mm -hmm. to show that she had a job to come back to, that she had a sponsor, myself, in Australia. 
and uh, you know there was a, a range of other things that she had to meet. And then when she arrived in Australia at the uh, airport, they stopped her and again asked her, "What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do here?" So she was just grilled all the way just to come to Australia on a tourist visa of all things. Yeah. So try and imagine getting somebody a uh, a partner visa to Australia and then have COVID hit and then have the public backlash of we need to close the borders, we cannot have other people come in and now you're stuck and you're a taxpayer, you're, um, you know, just like everybody else, a taxpayer, working mm-hmm. hard, trying to keep everything together, yet you can't have the basic right of having your own partner there. Yeah, it's so frustrating and you see all these stories in, you know, the Facebook groups that we're a part of, like Partners Apart and Partner Visa Australia. There's so many couples that are struggling. Like they submit 60 to 100 page documents of them proving their relationship and it still gets bounced back to them. Like, you know, I've seen people get rejected over 20 times and it's just crazy. Like what more can we do to prove that we're... Yeah in a relationship with someone you know when you submit your initial uh, application for any type of visa the you know um, the department of home affairs has all of that documentation anyway and yeah. my understanding is that when you submit your application for an exemption that doesn't go to home affairs that goes to border force so they don't have necessarily all of those documents, but they can't see the people behind it, even on a 100-page document. And my understanding is, you know, even logically speaking, with the amount of exemption requests going in, I can't imagine somebody reading a 100-page document. Yeah. So I think, well, what, what, what would work? You know, uh, yeah. you know, images that show you together. But even that doesn't tell them the story because then they don't see how you're suffering. Yeah, for sure. And how do they? How how does that work when you're a an a tax paying Australian citizen and you just want to see your partner again? Mm. So what are you going to do? Like, what's your situation? How are you going to navigate this? Honestly, we are still trying to figure it out. So I'm just going to keep saving. Um, he just got a new job, so he's starting work with now, which is great. Um, so I think all we can do is save and we might talk to maybe an immigration agent or something for some advice. Um, like I was saying earlier, we don't know whether we should get like a visitor visa of, of course, only if we get granted an exemption. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm going there or if he's going to come to Australia first, if, if it's going to just be for a visit. Or if we should just start the moving process because that in itself, that in itself is very expensive. And I mean, we don't have the funds to pay for a partner visa right now, but it would be something that we are going to save and work towards. So we we don't know whether we should visit and you know set us back for that visa or just not see each other for a while and just keep saving and hope that we can get a partner visa. It's very hard at the moment the partner visa itself is approximately seven and a half thousand dollars yes and looking at increasing to about seven thousand eight hundred dollars great now imagine the cost and that's a 
that's actually a fee I paid. And yeah. plus, uh, it's harder to navigate to make sure you've got all of the documents. So mm-hmm. it can be better to go through a migration agent. And a migration agent can cost upwards of $2,500 to $3,500. So yeah, you're sure. already above $10,000 to apply for a partner visa and then mm-hmm. wait uh, t- 10 months minimum. Yeah, and then even like longer. Mm. So, how do people in common society pay all of their bills <laughs> and pay ten thousand dollars for a partner visa? Once again, it becomes very elitist. Yes, extremely. And yeah. so, how does uh, you know a young person navigate that, knowing that they want to start their life at some point? He's, he's, uh, Kevin. Kevin seems to be the the kind of guy you'd want to spend your life with. Yeah, for so sure. So, therefore, while it may not be on the cards now, uh, at some point you think, well, I want to have children. I want to, you know, build that life, have that yeah. home, do all of those things that were granted to you and that were granted to your parents and your parents' parents. Mm-hmm. Yet all of the decisions being made now are being made for you, not by you. Yeah, and just setting us back even further, like, like we were saying before, I've only seen him physically for probably about four months out of six and a half years. And, you know, like, that's a lot of time we haven't spent physically together. Yes, we've been talking online, but I just want to get on with it. Like, I want to move in with him. I just want to, you know, do all that fun stuff that you get to do with your partner when you, like, grow together and start that next chapter of your life but i'm kind of just stuck here how have you handled covid so during the lockdown period um tell us how you were living what was the situation that you were in considering that you're not with your partner well i'm actually still at my parents house so i'm lucky enough to be living with my parents still i'm only just 23 so i don't really have too much pressure to move out which is great because i wouldn't be able to afford it anyways right now um so yeah i just live with my parents i've been working a fair bit but again it's freelance so it's not 100 percent guaranteed um i'm going to be reaching out to um some more places to see if i can get some more work but yeah i've just been with my parents um in terms of like dealing with covid it's had its ups and downs you know some days or months haven't been so bad but you know it kind of comes in waves and hits you um and I've been you know like I had a therapist at the beginning of last year and that was its own thing and yeah I don't know sometimes I feel like I need to go back to talk to her you have very dark moments yeah sometimes like I don't know the other day just everything just kind of hit me at once, you know, other stuff in my life um, going on kind of came to the forefront of my mind. But at the same time, I've always got this worry in the back of my head of when will I ever see my partner again? Like it's just always there. I can't stop thinking about it. Do you communicate daily uh, video chat every few days? How does that work? Uh, Sometimes we call like, video call every day some days we might miss but that's okay we still text each other every day so we're always in contact 
Um, we try and call, like video call every day, even if it's just on FaceTime before he goes to bed. Um, but yeah, we do talk every day. You made a point um, just a, a moment ago about your age, 23, and I it kind of pegged uh, me that, you know, a generation ago, that was the age to be married and have kids. And we have all this freedom yeah. now to say, you know what, I'm going to hold off. But as soon as the freedoms are actually taken away, I've realized yeah. that we didn't actually have rights. We had favors granted to us at the government's discretion. So mm-hmm. they said, yes, you can protest. Now you can't protest. Um, yes, you can go out. No, you can't go out. Yes, you can see your partner. No, we're going to deny the right for you to see your partner and then suddenly me personally I've realized how quickly time goes and for all of the fluffing about and for all of the um, holding off and saying well we just need to do this first before we apply for this visa we need to do this and then suddenly I realized now that these rights are actually favors given to us by the government, not rights, but favors at their happy discretion, mm-hmm. how quickly you've got to take hold and take control of your own life. Because if you, um, you know, you don't take action, somebody will take action for you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I just can't believe that it's almost hit our seven years together. I did not, think that I would be in a long distance relationship for seven years like honestly I thought maybe at the end of 2020 or even end of this year we would be living together but that is just so slim right now like I don't even know if that's even a possibility I was ready for him to move here a year ago at least but I, I feel like I'm still stuck stuck there, just waiting. I feel like I've honestly lost the last year and a bit of my life. Just, I don't even know. Like, you blink and it's, it's July. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people will um, feel the same who don't have partners abroad. So I, I hope that they can relate to feeling that, you know, a year's gone by in the blink of an eye, but there's an additional feeling on top of that when you're dealing with a partner who is depressed and you feel depressed yourself. Yeah. Uh, when you, you know, when you're depressed yourself and they just don't get it that mm. you're trying to build your life and work hard just to see your partner again, to hold on to those precious moments. Yeah. Tell me about um, uh, goodbyes. You know, the last time you saw each other, what, what was that? Wow. What was the moment? Um, so the last time we saw each other, I was in America. And the last trip, I actually missed my flight home, which is funny. Not a bad thing. Back, uh, <laughs> Not a well, bad yeah. thing. Um, at the time, I was so stressed. I'm like, holy shit. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but. You um, can. It's okay. It's a free world. <laughs> it's a free country unless they take our right to swear. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get home. I was freaking out. But they were like, oh, don't worry. There's another flight to uh, this certain layover that you'll still make your flight home. So I was all good. I just had, I missed the first flight to my. Um, stopover in I think it was LA or something but there was another flight uh, going out probably an hour after that so it was all good but um, we kind of just sat in the car 
waiting for an hour, just like, you know, being with each other, just like hugging each other. And then honestly, saying goodbye does not ever get easier. I honestly thought, you know, since we've seen each other a few times and the relationship's been going on for a while, I thought it would be easier, but honestly, it just keeps getting harder. Um, so he and his sister, like I checked my bags in and then obviously when you go through customs is the part where you have to say goodbye. I was just sobbing, honestly, the hardest I've ever cried. And I sobbed all the way through customs. People were just looking at me like, is she okay? And, um, I would just cry the whole plane ride to my layover all the way through to the next flight and then I would try and get some sleep and as soon as I wake up I'm crying again I just cried all the way home like because you know after that point you just don't know when you're going to see them again Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've always found well, the goodbyes got harder and harder. So yeah. the first goodbye, we had a two-week holiday. And, you know, I felt, oh, I really I really love this woman. She's fantastic. I've known her for a long time on text, but, uh, you know, and video chat. But seeing her uh, live and seeing her the very first time walking out the airport, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my God, it is. It's like a celebrity out of the crowd. Who is this one person? Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. But then saying goodbye I found was difficult the first time it was sad because you know I just I you know when you find an, uh, a good connection it's difficult to say goodbye but then mm-hmm. each time gets harder and harder yeah 100%. see and I was seeing her off to go back to her country um, uh, in Thailand majority of the time because it was a country we could go to without visas, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we could just fly out and, uh, you know, of our countries and then fly in uh, to, their, uh, to that country. So there was Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, a range of countries like that that we would seek out where we didn't have to make any effort to get um, tourist visas. And then mm-hmm. for those big ones, um, you know, we would plan. So traveling to Siberia and for her to travel here um they were very much the planned ones whereas these ones were look i'll, I'll book your flight um you know um and you know I'll book the accommodation and off we go yeah and then saying goodbye oh the days that build up prior i know like i remember the last trip we always do a um a car not a carnival um an arcade date that's the last date we go on before we go home. Um, we've done it since the first time we met in person, so it's kind of our tradition that that's our last date we have. What's the arcade date? We just go to an arcade and blow whatever money I have left <laughs> in the <laughs> arcade. <laughs> and then, yeah, we just have a good time because it's kind of like the last day before yeah. I go home. So I'm like, oh, I have some U.S money left i'll just blow it in the arcade i don't care have a free uh, have a favorite game um we do we have uh i think there's two one there's i think it's a justice league game and you like fight each other and whoever wins gets like a little card we have a whole stack of cards at his house from playing that game it's kind of like street fighter but like superheroes cool and um then there's another game where uh, you know when you like drop a token and it has this little thing that pushes coins forward and back? Oh, yes. And then, 
Yeah, and they like drop and you get like a certain amount of tokens or whatever when you win and it, they sometimes drop cards and then you get to keep the cards or whatever. Yeah, that game as well. We spend so long on that game. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting the detail that you have about that because it shows there was rare moments. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we always have an arcade date, but I remember the last... Um, there's two moments I remember from the last trip. One, it was probably a few days before I had to go home and, like, a sad song came on our playlist and I had to skip it. I'm like, I can't listen to this right now because, you know, I was thinking about going home. And then on the actual, like, last night before I flew out, we went out to dinner and I almost cried into my food. Like, I was trying not to cry at the restaurant because I knew that that was my last night there in the morning that when I wake up, like, that's it, I have to go home. I always found that, that yeah, that last moment I w- would watch her go up an escalator at the Bangkok airport. Yeah, yeah. Challenging stuff. I know, I always try and look for him for the last second. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're not alone. You do the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So where to from here? Um, I don't know. Like I said before, just saving and probably getting advice, whether that's from, like, friends and family or from an actual migration agent. Um, I think uh, a migration, uh, family and friends only help so much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, migration agents can give you the specific advice you need, but even those are confused because speaking to my migration agent, he was confused because the rules seemed so ad hoc. And he'd said Mm. that uh, at the time you sent an application for exemption in depends uh, whether it gets accepted will be depend on whether somebody's in a good mood or not uh, yes. because mm-hmm. they meet uh, the powers that be meet every day and work out how many people they've got in quarantine. They said some people have been exempt and, you know, express that they'll come to Australia and then don't show or don't book the flight. And then that means that somebody else is missing out. So they meet every yeah. day and say, well, we've got these numbers. We can allow these people in. And then the next day they say they can't. So they, uh, decline some people and then accept some people. Yeah, I've seen that um, in those Facebook groups where they talk about it's kind of like a lottery. If you get a mean agent, then they're going to say no. <laughs> and if you get a nice one, then maybe they'll say yes. Because they don't connect. They don't understand. Yeah. I think that uh, it's going to be very challenging in the next few years mm-hmm. as to what we do. And a few people have said to me, you should just leave, leave your country, just go. Yeah, I I was actually had a discussion with my parents about that, um, kind of not a full discussion, but I mentioned it to them last night and the day before, like if I didn't have so many connections here and, you know, my whole life and my family, I'm very close with my family. Um, if I didn't have all that, I would literally just leave Australia until this is all over, but it's not that simple. I can say um, from somebody who did do it, I was the first of um, uh, my parents' three children to leave home. And I left home at the age of 21 to pursue a career in commercial radio. And when I left, I remember I drove 12, 13 hours out to a country uh, town uh, in New South Wales, went Mm -hmm. for a job interview, and then um, got something to eat, and then drove home. So I was pretty much driving for, you know, 20, 
three odd hours straight to get that job. And then within the next week, I had packed whatever I owned and moved out. And that wasn't much. And since then, I moved from city to city, making new friends wherever I went. So you realize over time that even though you have connections in your, you know, hometown or wherever you are from, those people come and go. Yeah. And they don't, they're not there for you when you really need them. Try and ask somebody to help you move house and then you'll realize who your real friends are. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. <laughs> suddenly those <laughs> th- those real friends are the only ones that show up and you might only have one or two out of all of them. And the rest it would you'll see for coffee dates, uh, you'll catch up on social media, you'll, you know, uh, gossip, whatever you do, um, and, or whatever we do, and that's it. So you've got to live that life and your parents will pretty much always be there for you until they you know their last breaths that we all take so if you can uh, afford to go and whether he can support you while you're there um save your money and you know my suggestion not that i have taken it yet myself just because i've put in another application request that looked a little more hopeful Mm -hmm. get out if you can (laughs) yeah it's definitely on my mind um at the same time, it's kind of the plan for him to move here, but as the days go by, I'm like, is that even going to be possible? Um, I'd imagined yeah. with uh, uh, my partner that I would fly, be- this was before COVID, we'd applied mm-hmm. for a partner visa in September 2019, and to celebrate, we were taking a big holiday uh, from October onwards, uh, and we were gone for eight weeks. And that was actually a more of a happy goodbye. Like it was sad, but it was still happy because we knew we did it. Yeah. And then the plan was I would fly back over there and we're making plans for me to, you know, get another visa and then fly over just, you know, when uh, around the time that she would uh, get her visa granted and we would pack up her gear and we would fly home together and, you know, fly back into the airport together and build our life together from there. So maybe it's possible for you to fly out of the U, uh, out of Australia into the US, stay there and generally just wait it out and then fly back together. Yeah, I've actually considered that. That's kind of the plan that we had as well before COVID happened. I wanted to go over there at least for a few months and, I don't know, try and work and stuff um, and then come back to Australia together, you know, have him move here. Um, It would certainly be something to look into. I just, you know, it's so uncertain of how long this is going to take before Mm. we'll be able to build our life together here. If there was somebody in a position of power listening to this, what do you want to say? That's a good question. I mean, I just hope that you, whoever is listening, can help spread this message to the right people. I know that there are a lot of people in power that don't really show enough compassion towards the people in these situations or maybe they aren't hearing enough stories to be on board with us. But there are... There are a lot of people and a lot of hearts on the other side of these applications and stories and we're real people like you who have real needs of seeing their partners and their family or, you know, for whatever reason, going overseas or having people come over to Australia and I just hope that 
I don't know, we can touch their hearts enough to make them realize maybe we should be doing something better than what we're doing now to, you know, kind of wrap this whole thing up and reunite people who haven't seen their loved ones in over a year and a half. My name is Greg Dean. You can find out more about Explore Life on YouTube at Explore Life Films. 